Coming off one of the best NFL weekends of the entire 2022 NFL season. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, general ages. You are listening live to Brandon's World here on this Tuesday, January 24th. 2023 and i am excited to say that as of today we have officially entered a new era of brandon's world today for the first time ever brandon's world is in collaboration with voltage live now voltage live is a brand new podcasting platform slash blog that was started by my good friend jen noga and her brother michael in 2021 that are looking to get podcasters and creators all over the world from all different backgrounds and all different types of content to promote their brand Brandon's World will be coming on. We will be doing a bunch of stuff there over on their Instagram. I will link it down below in this podcast. We will also be doing podcasts like we usually do Tuesdays, Thursdays, the occasional guest on Friday. Again, Voltage Live is not sponsored Brandon's World. We are in collaboration with them as we look to grow our content. Of course, as you already know, we are sponsored by Anchor, the best place to make a podcast, as you heard in the intro of this podcast. And of course, as you already know, you can check out you can check us out on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. But I know what you're all here for. You're all here. For me to turn on that football music and to get into the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And without further ado, here we go. Kicking things off with the Jaguars and the Chiefs. Now, of course, we all know this game came down to Patrick Mahomes' his injured ankle. I mean, what a phenomenal performance that was in the second half by Mahomes. Of course, the jump ass off his other foot. To Montez, to Montez Valdez scaling for basically the game-winning touchdown. Uh, we know how good Kansas City is. We know how good Andy Reid is as a play caller. Of course, we saw when Chad Eni drove that 98 yards near the end of the half to give the Chiefs a 17-7 advantage at that point. Listen, I thought Trevor Lawrence on the road, he did struggle. Obviously, we expected it to. We expected Jacksonville to struggle against Kansas City. I predicted on Thursday Kansas City would cover the eight and a half, which they should have, but then obviously, of course, Jacksonville won for the field goal and then the onside kick because Jacksonville didn't care about all those people like me that picked Kansas City to cover the spread and they were able to cut it down to a seven-point uh, deficit and defeat instead of a 10-point deficit and defeat. But we all know that Trevor Lawrence struggled a little bit, though I thought Jacksonville gained their footings uh, in the second half. The Jamal Agnew play was just absolute killer. And then the interception, of course, two plays later all but sealed the ball game. But I did not think Kansas City played all that great, especially in the second half. I think there are trends now, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we get to Cincinnati, who obviously just destroyed Buffalo and covered the five and a half. Like I said, they would, because I said Cincinnati was better than Buffalo. But there are signs here for Kansas City that in the second half of ball games, and again, as great as Patrick Mahomes is, as great as Travis Kelsey was, I believe he caught 14 balls in the early afternoon portion on Saturday. 
Kansas City goes into these laws where they can move the ball, but they don't score. Or Mahomes makes a bad play, or Mahomes takes a bad sack. And they get up on these teams, and then they don't put them away. We saw it against Jacksonville in Week 10. Jacksonville was able to make a little bit of a run of it in the second half. In a game that, again, really did not feel close, but the final margin said it was close. Uh, Jacksonville, again, I thought Doug Peterson came out. I thought they were a little bit slow early. I thought they outplayed Kansas City, especially for most of the third quarter uh, and going into the fourth quarter. And again, if Jamal Agnew makes that play and tucks the football away at the six-yard line instead of fumbling it, I think Jacksonville may have a legitimate shot to win that game. Uh, but listen, at the beginning of the year, we all thought Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, the three best teams in the AFC. I think a lot of us probably put Kansas City and Buffalo over Cincinnati. Uh, right there, we were wrong. Going into the year, I put Baltimore in that conversation. If they had Lamar Jackson the whole year, they might still be in that conversation, but they did not, obviously. We'll be getting into those conversations more and more of the offseason growth because it's going to be a very interesting offseason in the National Football League. But credit to Kansas City, Jacksonville's got a bright future. They have their quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. They have their coach in Doug Peterson. They have good weapons in Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne, Zay Jones. They're going to get Calvin Ridley next year. Uh, their big focus, obviously, last year, linebacker. You know, uh, they drafted Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker with the first pick. They need to build up the pass rush, and they need to build up that secondary. Second game, I picked my vote off Eagles to cover the seven and a half. I was not that confident. I thought the Giants would give us a game. Uh, they did not. That was the old September, October Philadelphia Eagles wearing you down. And I've said it all season long. I said the Eagles are one of these teams that they can run the ball for 300 yards. You know, or they could throw the ball for 300 yards. And when Jalen Ertz is on and when Jalen Ertz is playing well and when this offensive line with Jordan Mawaiya, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Samo, and Lane Johnson, when they can maul, when they can dog, and when Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, the head coach, is feeling it offensively, they're very hard to stop. You add on to that, Jonathan Gannon defensively and the defensive line with Hassan Reddick, who played an amazing game, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, who had an amazing game as well. You know, you add on the additions of Jordan Davis, the first-round pick out of Georgia, and Dominican Sue, Lenvo Joseph, who they signed in free agency, uh, Robert Quinn, who they traded from the Bears. That is eight pass rushers that you can legitimately throw, and it's two starting units, if you will, in one, and they just overwhelmed a overachieving New York Giants team. And I said it, the Giants are fooling themselves on Daniel Jones. Uh, he struggled. And I think that my team was hearing a lot of this chatter that the Giants were very good, that they were gaining momentum. And yes, they're well coached. And yes, Brian Table is a great coach. And yes, he's on the right side of the ball offensively. But the Giants were just overwhelmed talent-wise, I believe, by my build-up Eagles team, who will now be hosting the NFC Championship game next week. Now to this Cincinnati-Buffalo game. And I told you on Thursday, I said Cincinnati is going to win the game. I said Cincinnati is going to cover the five and a half. 
I said, you know, before the DeMar Hamlin incident, which obviously they were so emotional and took, you know, everything out of both teams. And we saw DeMar Hamlin at the stadium there in Buffalo on Sunday. I said Cincinnati looked like the better team on that night when they drove down the first possession and scored. I said I did not understand why Cincinnati was one and a half dogs in that game. If you remember, as part of my best bets, I took Cincinnati in that ball game. Uh, and I believe that this spread of five and a half was way too high. I thought the Bengals were going to win between three and seven points, a.k.a. between a field goal and a touchdown. And they ended up just destroying Buffalo. And I said it. I said, listen, we all like Sean McDermott. We all think he's a good coach, a good leader. But the issue I have with Buffalo is McDermott is on the defensive side of the ball. And he does not get the urgency of offensive football in 2023 when it comes to the quarterback positions, weapons, uh, smart play calling, creativity. You know, all of those things that above that offensive coaches, like you're seeing with Brian Dable with the Giants, Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, Andy Reid in Kansas City, Nick Sirianni in Philly, the two head coaches in Dallas and San Francisco. Buffalo just does not make the adjustments that Cincinnati had. And Cincinnati had three backup offensive linemen. Now, most of those offensive linemen started last year for them when they had that future offensive line, but they're not very good offensive linemen. And I said, Joe Burrow is the only quarterback I've ever seen who does not get flustered by a bad offensive line. It's like he's just used to it. He goes out there, quit with passing game, get the ball out. We're going to run the football. The first two drives in an absolute snowstorm in Buffalo. Cincinnati went down and punched it right in between the teeth of the Buffalo Bills and went up 14-0. At that point, the game was over. The Bengals proved that they were legitimately better than the Bills. And I don't think it's a hot take to say this. Like, listen. Buffalo was just calling plays, right? That they were taking shots. But we saw it the last time when they watched Von Miller on Thanksgiving in that game against the Lions. Their pass rush was different. And that was also when Josh Allen started for some odd reason taking way more chances with the football than usual, throwing a lot of interceptions, being an out-of-control wild pony that he was not at the end of last year. Uh, and Buffalo has some real questions. And I think one of their questions is, is Sean McDermott that go to the future for this team? Because I don't think he is. I would go out and I would look again. I don't think Sean Payton is going to want to go to a cold team in Buffalo. We're obviously going to deal with Miami, the Jets, and New England for years. Uh, but I would go out and I would look at that kind of offense in mind. You know, a Ben Johnson, a Shane Steichen. Um, you know, one of these unproven commodity offensive candidates to get the best out of Josh Allen because I think Endorsey is a young OC. He kind of let Josh Allen do whatever he wanted. Brian Dable, I think it looked like, you know, more coach Josh Allen hard, got those turnovers out of him. And Savon Diggs is frustrated as he should be because he's a great player. But that was just with all the emotion, right, of the DeMar Amlin situation, and you would expect Buffalo to play well, it was Cincinnati who felt like they were playing for a fallen brother, if you will, of the National Football League. Um, and I think the Bengals really did do a great job at neutralizing Buffalo, and they will move on to the AFC Championship game against Kansas City. I'm not going to spoil anything because I'm going to give my prediction for the championship round 
on Thursday, but I do give Cincinnati a great shot. Obviously, this Mahomes injury is going to affect things. The line has already moved, by the way, from Kansas City minus one and a half to now Cincinnati almost at minus two and a half to three. It's moved about four points, which should tell you something. And by the way, I did pick Dallas to cover the four points against San Francisco, and honestly, they should have. If Dak Prescott played a little bit better than what Brock Purdy played, because as much as I hear about how great Brock Purdy is, he did not play that well on Sunday against the Cowboys. And if Dallas' offense had a sense, again, it, just a sense of good coaching out of Mike McCarthy, who just stares at the screen and stares at the board all game, Dallas really had a good defensive plan. Uh, their offense only put up 12 points. San Francisco put up 19, but it was 9-9 to going into the fourth quarter. When it's 9-9 to going into the fourth quarter and you're on the road and you feel like you've held a high-powered San Francisco team that did not have a lot of explosive plays, you feel like you have a great chance to win the game. Uh, but I thought Trent Williams and the Niners offensive line really brought the game. Just wore down Michael Parsons, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Stuart Armstrong of that Dallas defensive line. And their offensive line really led the charge uh, in the fourth quarter. And again, I thought Dallas' offense, quite frankly, came up short. They were not the same when Tony Howard went out of the game. And Dak made two key critical interceptions, which Dak led the week in interceptions this year, despite missing those five games with a broken thumb, which is a concern for me when you turn the football over at an alarming rate like that. Same thing with Josh Allen. Again, Josh Allen, phenomenal talent. He's more of a better talent, in my opinion, than Dak Prescott. But those two quarterbacks, the two quarterbacks we saw lose on Sunday, turned the football over a lot near the end of the season. And that was really what doomed their teams in. Uh, San Francisco, Philadelphia right now looks like my team is currently favored by two and a half. Again, I will give my predictions on Thursday, but I do think some of the matchups, you know, I know that there is some concern about Nick Bosa and that good San Francisco defensive line, but I really like some of the matchups for my team that goes in my favor, and I'm not just saying that as a homer. So as a recap, if you did not listen to the show on Thursday, I had Kansas City minus eight and a half. That did not hit again. It, it arguably could have if Jacksonville did not go for a field goal to cut the lead from 10 to 7 to at least cover uh, to make them feel good about going into next year. I had Philly minus 7.5 against the Giants. That covered. I had Cincinnati plus 5.5 against Buffalo. That covered. I had Dallas plus 4 against San Francisco. That did not cover. In the money line, I picked the Chiefs, I picked Philly, I picked Cincinnati, and I picked Dallas, which I got three out of four. Obviously, the one being wrong is Dallas. So that means the two money line playoff games that I got wrong in this year's playoffs. I've only missed two games. Obviously, we have played 10 games. I've gone 82. That's 80%. The two games I missed were the Cowboys game. I picked Tampa to beat Dallas, and then I picked Dallas to beat San Francisco. So overall on the year, if you include the regular season and the postseason. In the money line, I am 173 and 108 this year. That is 62%. Again, I said I would take anything above 60. In best bets this week, obviously, we went two for four. That puts us at a total of 51, 49, and one on the year for 101 games. That is 
50%. And obviously, with only three games left in the year, my hope at this point is we can at least get one more victory to be above 500 on the season. And with that, again, thank you so much for listening to Brandon's World here on this Tuesday. On Thursday, not only will I be giving my my uh, predictions for the championship weekend, but I'm going to preview the 2023 Royal Rumble premium live event, the first of the major five, if you will, because I include money in the bank, and that premium live events of WWE this coming weekend. It's going to be an amazing show. Raw 30 was amazing. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit on Thursday as well. In collaboration with Voltage Live, being sponsored by Anchor, this is the Brands World Podcast, and we will see you on Thursday. Peace.